We've got some fresh new young talent doing some things that I know you haven't heard before. One, two, three, listen. You're listening to One More Thing. Oh, and One More Thing. Wait a minute, there is one more thing I forgot about. Just one more thing. But we do have one more thing. Oh, and one more thing. That one more thing really comes back to our theme for today. It is one more thing. Wait, wait, wait. One more thing. From the Crystal Palace at Dixon Schwabble, this is episode 69 of One More Thing. My co-host, as always, Mike McGinnis. Mike, what is up? Welcome to the day. That's up. <laughs> That's what's up. So today we are going to talk about the latest and greatest in marketing. We got some augmented reality. Mm-hmm. We've got some new TV shows, and we've also got our good friend Carl Weberg. Carl is a copywriter here at Dixon Trouble. He is fascinating. We'll talk to him in the second half. But Mike, what what are you thinking about? Well, uh, I guess I have a story quick about Carl. My favorite thing that I've seen Carl at without knowing he was going to be there. Uh, we went to go see Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Is that what it was? And Carl was just there with his homies sitting in one of the rows and he's like hey sit down be quiet and i turned around dude it was my man carl he's great. there with his homies is not a not a phrase i thought carl would be associated but with. but he was carl made a guest appearance on our donuts and bagels show a couple episodes ago oh yeah you're right and dropped some real knowledge basically uh, advocating for individualistic rights for bagels. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty out there take. And that may have been the moment we said we need him on the yeah, podcast. that was pretty much the exact moment where I ate a bagel and was like, you know what? This is a good feeling. This is a good I like feeling. this. I like the way this feels. Well, Andrew, I've got a couple of things that I want to go over in the marketing world. And the first one has to do with augmented and virtual reality. Now, a lot of you may have dabbled in virtual reality. One of the coolest things going right now is Guitar Hero plus lightsabers. It's called Beat Saber. That's really cool. So if you have a virtual reality headset or you have this game, you're playing Guitar Hero, but you're slicing blocks with lightsabers to make music. It's awesome. But the most recent thing that I came across is the NBA has an augmented reality app. And I showed you this a couple days ago. The idea here is that it used to be uh, you would open the app up, and I just looked it up. You open it up, and it would show you like a basketball hoop, and you could play like a pop shot basketball game Mm -hmm. on your phone anywhere. So if you're in your driveway but you don't have a basketball hoop, this app would let you do that. But for the NBA Finals, they kicked it up a notch. And they did kind of like this Narnia wardrobe type of doorway. So you put wherever you're standing, you hold up your phone. Which honestly, I wish every life decision had a doorway. Me too. Like you're about to make a decision, but you have to go through that door. It just makes it feel that much more significant. So this is the idea is that you, you point the phone wherever and a doorway appears, it kind of just kind of formulates out of the ground. And through that door, you can see, it looks like you're stepping into the arena where the NBA Finals game is going on. And if you go to the door and you step through it, it transports you to the game. And all of a sudden you're like in courtside seats and you can see all the players warming up, you can see all their facial expressions, you can see the fans sitting next to you, you can see the refs doing their pregame stretches, you can see everything. And it's real. It's really pretty cool. I showed it to you, what did you think? So when you showed it to me, I was for the first time in my life, on record, quiet, silence. I was just, I was, I was locked in because it was a, what, 15, 20 second clip? Yeah. But basically like, it was like nothing else was around and that you were sitting courtside and it was a pretty good connection so we could see things pretty clearly and immediately uh as i often do i was like how can we monetize it (laughs) not that the nba needs my help monetizing things but how do we make some money i think we were talking subscription sell a subscription service pick your favorite team 
if you want to pick multiple teams, like, you know, once the Knicks lose 50 games in a row and I want to watch the Cavs again, you know, maybe maybe I have to pay a little more for that <laughs> that privilege. I think I think the subscription service is a good idea. I think we threw out the number of three ninety nine or something. Just like give them a monthly three ninety nine, uh, three dollars and ninety nine cents, and just see who uses it. And it's potential that a lot of people could use it. Now it's not the first time that virtual reality has used this door system. Our buddy Nick Vernetti like let me know, and he showed me a couple apps from this past year where this started to become a thing. Where there's like apps that are starting to use this idea of a doorway to transport you to another reality. Yes. And honestly, it's just really really cool okay so you're at the game you're at courtside virtual reality yep and then what happens during timeouts i think i think uh, what do you think well what did do you, you well i one, have an idea what do you have it well one i think you're gonna say pop a shot and they play they play <laughs> pop a shot at, at, during timeouts no i was thinking another opportunity for advertising because you put ads on there yep i was so i've watched a lot of games through like nba tv and like flow from progressive like is on a scooter and just rides by just rides by yeah. oh like oh not so not like actual ad, like traditional tv ads but like virtual reality they're ads. virtual reality ads whoa yeah you, you don't want to go are at, operating on another level it's sir my, <laughs> it's my second second life like dwight true you don't want to go to a virtual reality and then all of a sudden be zoomed back out and say here's an ad no from Flo. right that's what i'm saying i'm talking like you know uh what's the movie coming out Kyrie, uncle drew uncle drew you know Kyrie and Shaq just happened to be playing a one-on-one game with uncle drew just do it just in front yeah, I was see. I was going the opposite way, which is probably the non-advertising way. Um, and because I watch a lot of games on like NBA TV, and sometimes they will show what's happening in the arena uh, during the timeouts. And so you see like you know the wave and the kiss cam and the the dance groups and the the trampoline dunkers and all the inside stuff you don't usually see when you when you watch it on broadcast like live TV. What if you could? What if you could just switch realities and go to like Hawaii on a click? Man, we are working in the future right or now. Or what about this? So those, these these cameras are stationary, right? So like this is your yeah. this is your seat. You pay the subscription. What if during timeouts it became mobile? So obviously it's an operations thing on their end, but it became mobile. So like you're watching the cheerleaders or the guy shooting for fifty thousand dollars, but right. like now you're moving with them and you're walking around. Oh man! And the thing was, it, it didn't just like plop you into the middle of the arena and then like okay. Have fun in here. Bye. The the doorway, if you turn back around, it was there. So if you were like, I, I got to go, you could just kind of leave, and it would just pop you back into the room you're in. And then, and then yeah, <laughs> that was the weird part, because then you look around, you're like, wait, now I'm back in my actual world. Mike, that's, that's great stuff. Virtual reality. Now, you had mentioned uh, Uncle Drew. Uncle Drew. I did. What do you got on Uncle Drew? I'm going to start by going to the competitor. Uncle Drew is Pepsi. Competitor? Coke heard of it yeah now one of the things that i really like is uh like label design especially for any sort of drink whether i think like beer labels are fantastic like you can look at a lot of really good creative work going on there or any sort of um liquors and stuff they got a lot of cool labels around uh pepsi or not pepsi sorry um coke a couple years ago what was it maybe four years ago was it during the last world cup something or the olympics maybe Mm -hmm. when they started putting everyone's names on everything. Yep. And all of a sudden, people want to go grab uh, a Coke, but they want to find the one that says, you know, share this with Andrew. Right. Or whatever. Right. And um, and so I thought that was just like a, a sneaky little idea, a sneaky little ploy. I like that. Now, what they're doing for the upcoming World Cup this summer, Coke is putting the the numbers zero through nine, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and zero on these Coke cans. Uh, with the hopes that you will take a picture of the score that you predict for the game that's about to show. So any time that you kind of mix um, 
two different worlds. So in this case, it's like the TV and the sports world of the World Cup coming up, plus your actual world in front of you, which is these Coke cans, and you can connect them through the internet or through Twitter or through Instagram or whatever. I'm all for that, and I think it's I think it's a good move. In your hours of research looking at this topic, did you find any incentive for people to do that? Like, like, are they just hoping it kind of takes off like the names thing did, or are they are you kind of are they hoping that there's a there's a contesting element? Hey, share your score, you'll be entered to win. Share your score, you can win tickets to next year's. Uh, I'm sorry, four years from now, World Cup. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a long ways away, uh, especially for the U.S. men's national team. No comment. Um, <laughs> did, did, was there anything like that in there? So right now, all I see is that there's basically there's going to be three other commercials, and I think that those commercials are tying into how these cans are going to be used. But I don't have the ha- I don't even have the hashtag that I that they're working with. I don't even know if they have a hashtag. Um, but I guess the overall strategy is to make sure that people are sharing. But I'm not sure what the incentive is right now. will be very interesting to see how the World Cup does ratings-wise in the United States. Fox made a big play to buy the rights for it. And then the U.S. missed the, the World US Cup. And the U.S. missed it. Uh, so that'll be really interesting. So, Mike, my thing that, that's going on, uh, there's a new TV show on ESPN. Uh, it's called High Noon. It's oh, yeah. with Bomani Jones, Pablo Torre. And, uh, you know, I know this has been a sports-heavy podcast. Really, I don't want to talk about the sports and all that. I want to talk about the production of it mm-hmm. because it's very, very different than what we see on a normal television show. So normal television shows are like part of the interruption. Sports debate shows are two people arguing different different sides of the argument and trying to trying to basically appease fans on each side. This show has been set up by Eric Rideholm to be a conversation between two friends that you just happen to be a part of. So they're not really talking to the audience a lot. Sometimes they do. But basically, the show starts even with the they're already having a conversation. For instance, in the second episode, they were talking about, uh, uh, I believe it was birds on Bomani's roof. That's how it came in. It's like they were just mid conversation. Was it? An, was there an intro? There is an intro, but they're just talking. There's no like, hi, I'm Bomani Jones, and I'm Pablo Torre. It's just they come right in, and it says, you know, this is high noon, and they're just talking, and then it goes. Now, eventually, one of them will break off and say, here's our first topic, basically. They don't say it. They say it much better because, you know, one's a Harvard-educated man, and one's, you know, Bomani Jones, who is super smart. So, but here are a couple other facts about the show. Uh, It uses eight cameras, not four. Most shows like that use four. Use four. So you get one on you, one on me, one on both, and then one on maybe a screen. Yep. They use eight, and they're constantly moving around and having window panes. So, like, you might see Pablo Torre here, and then what he's looking at here, and then both of them here. So it is kind of like... uh, it's a, it's a, sort of a gimmick to keep your attention because there's a lot going on. And this is a society, right. and, and you're perfect for it, is like people get distracted by things. And it's like, <laughs> but what if the distractions are in the television show? You ever think about that, You're getting Mike? distracted in the television yeah, show by your you own ever, television you ever think show? About, you ever think about the meta of that, Mike? It's <laughs> uh, pretty meta. It, use, it shoots in 24 frames per second. Usually it's 30 or 60. Basically, it looks like a high-end movie. Yeah. Which made me think, when are they going to start doing commercials? For a TV show. Yeah. When I first watched it, I was like, this looks like Breaking Bad. Because wow. it, it's just like the way the camera is working and all that. thought it was fascinating. And finally, they have a big window pane, and all these various window panes come up. Uh, the window pane shots are inspired by the movie The Thomas Crown Affair. I don't know that movie. <laughs> I've seen it once. There's a lot of window pane shots. Basically, wow. there's a shot here, and then a window pane will show up of a different shot you know so this is like it's like picture in picture basically but it just looks better or or if you've ever seen any of these like youtube right now it's really big with like the reaction videos and the reaction videos are always like down in the corner you have the or no in the full screen you'll have the person watching the video and down in the corner you'll have the actual video they're watching it's a picture in picture exactly you're exactly right i wonder if that's also a huge uh influence on them 
it, it's something. And, and my last thing with this is the rollout strategy. Oh, yeah. I, I think this is this is so interesting to me. So this is on ESPN. And one of the ways they rolled this out is they invited Brian Curtis from The Ringer to mm-hmm. come in and watch a test run of the show and then write a story about it. And I just love the natural, like, one, these are two. You have the behemoth in ESPN and then the ringer, Bill Simmons, former ESPNer. Right. But they're starting to get along again a little bit. And what you have is the, basically inviting the ringer's audience in and being like, hey, look at this show. It's gonna, here's, what, here's what's interesting about it. I just love the strategy of that for some reason. It's, it's uh, again, meta. I, I think it's interesting. A lot, a, lot, a lot of money going into that. Good article. Mike, we got, you got anything else? I mean, Yeah, I have one more thing. And it is about the competitive Coke. Good one. I it's see. What, I see. What back you did. to Pepsi Max. I see what it's you did there. Pepsi. Actually, <laughs> this one is specifically Pepsi Max. Uh, in 2012, they came out with a campaign that kind of went nuts. It went viral, and I'm sure all the people who came up with it and decided on these things and made uh, you know creative decisions and choices were thrilled because they dressed up Kyrie Irving at the time, one of the most exciting up and coming NBA players out there. Now he's like legit all-star amazing player although he's injured but he uh they dressed him up as an old man and they called him uncle drew and he went to the streets and he just started playing basketball against people who uh apparently unexpected and they didn't know this and he just destroyed them right they thought this old guy was playing and it turns out this uh 70 year old guy is not a 70 year old guy he's a 22 year old just <laughs> killing everybody in basketball well fast forward 2018 this campaign has done so well for Pepsi Max that somehow they not only started as like a one five-minute YouTube commercial, um, they added on, added a whole bunch of players in there, uh, did like three or four different spots over the course of the last five or six years, and now they have a movie out, a legitimate movie theater movie called Uncle Drew. I just looked it up. There's showtimes tonight. You can go see it at 7. You can go see it at 9.30. You can go see it at 6.15 if you want to. Pepsi, Pepsi Max has a movie out about a guy dressed up as an old dude playing basketball. Doesn't get better than that, Mike. Oh, Does not get better goodness, than that. It's amazing. So now we're going to talk to Carl Weber, senior copywriter at Dixon Schwabel. Joining us now, senior copywriter at Dixon Schwabel, Carl Weberg. Now, Mike, listen to the first line of his bio on our website, which I'm pretty sure he wrote because he didn't write. Who wrote it? James. James wrote oh, it. Okay. James, yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, listen to this first line of this website. Here we go. Carl, 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 can't you see sometimes your words just hypnotize me? <laughs> true. Very true. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you. And by the way, I have to tell you, I, I just found out, and this is... Gosh, I probably shouldn't be saying this, but um, my daughter recently read that bio, and um, she thought it was so cool that uh, she 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 kind of likes thinks her dad is cool now. So. Yeah, nice. so, uh, I'm happy with that. <laughs> that is excellent. Sometimes your words just hypnotize me. I tell you what. Now, in your path to coolness, on your way there, you decided at some point writing was the way to do it, right? Like, is that that's the way to do it? Yeah, well, uh, for a long, long time, I, you know, my high school and college, I never really thought I would be a writer. I enjoyed reading and admired writers, but I just didn't think that was me. But I kept drifting towards it, and uh, finally I realized it's kind of what I got to do because it's me. And I, I later learned from my mother that when I was in like first or second grade, 
I used to come home after school and read the dictionary. No I would just way. Flip through it, look at words, see what they meant, and I, I just—it must have been a natural thing for me because uh, I've been drawn to words, even though I wasn't really like good in English for a long time. Uh, you know, my English classes. Um, I just kind of had an affinity for uh, for writing, and uh, luckily I found a career that you know. You can take advantage of that. Who knows the dictionary better, you or Jen Morris? Oh, I'm sure Jen does. Because we interviewed yeah. her, and quite frankly, she was crazy. Yeah, the things she knew about the dictionary. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so you go to words. I'm, I'm, I'm like in. I'm always interested in the kind of the ebbs and flows. Like, how, how do you know when you're feeling it when you're writing? Like, like, how do you know when things are clicking? This feels good. What's, what's that like for you? Well, you kind of don't know it until you're kind of in it, in the zone, you know, like they might talk about in sports, uh, where it's all, where it's kind of flowing, and uh, you kind of feel good, and you don't feel um, stuck, if you will. Um, the thing is, you can't rely on getting in that flow every day. You kind of have to force yourself into it somehow. You know, every writer and creative person has their bag of tricks to kind of get in that flow um, and, and and be creative and because you can't just sit around waiting for inspiration because <laughs> then you know nothing's gonna get done that day so you just kind of gotta somehow find your way into that flow what's in your what's in your bag of tricks Oh, that's a good question. Um, I need to know these tricks, Carl. I'm not a good writer. <laughs> help, help, give me some tricks. Help here. me out. Usually it involves uh, free association. You know, almost all creative exercises are based on that to some degree, I think, um, where you just, ideas kind of show up in your brain and you just put them down, even if they're lame or idiotic, you just get them down. That way, for one thing, they're out of your head, and so you don't have to be, be thinking about them anymore. And then, then when when I when you just get those ideas out, more ideas will come. Is this so, based on like? Do you are you given a topic, and then with that topic, you start free associating from there? Basically, and you look for uh, connections between things. Like when I wrote a lot of those agency bios. You just got to look through all the information you're given and see if there's a theme that shows up or see if there's like a, a word that you can use in, a, in two ways to mean two different things as it's sort of connective tissue, if you will. Do, uh, this makes me think, are you a fan of, are you a fan of like stand-up comedy? I, I love comedy uh, and, and stand-up, yeah, of course. Uh, I, I don't think I could do it because it, I think I'd be terrified up there, but, um, you know, getting, do the free associating in the right. front, front of a crowd. I'm not sure I could do that, but, um, I, you know, I really admire people who are good at it. We might need to get you in an improv class. We might have to throw this guy into an improv oh, yeah. class and just see what happens. This free I'm association. Game. I'm game. Uh, when you were younger, so you said that you were, you kind of stayed away from this lane for a little bit and then you realized, oh, actually, no, this is kind of writing is something that I like to do and I think I want to pursue a little bit more. What did you use? Did you used to write stuff when, like when you were a kid? Not a lot. Um, I did other things, you know, I, I played outside and, you know, goofed around and, 
I mean, I, I had, back then, I thought I was good in math and science, and I, I sort of was. Oh. And I'm, I'm, the, I'm the son of a scientist. Um, and I, I kind of thought that was going to be my direction. And I took uh, calculus in freshman year of college, and the teacher took me aside and said he wanted me to be a math major. And I was looking at him like, what are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was because your it, wasn't, it wasn't on my radar, but, I, you know, it, it just uh, some some concepts kind of came easily to me. Yeah. But uh, it's not the direction I wanted to go. Um, and I just got more interested in kind of the arts and literature in general and in journalism, you know. And I think I think a lot of it, I kind of picked up sort of not certain styles, but just sort of a love of language from reading really good writers. Um, you know, Tom Wolfe probably would be one. And I remember I used to read uh, the the film critic for The New Yorker, Pauline Kael, who I disagreed with a lot, but she just was an incredibly um, vibrant writer. And I think uh, just reading things like that, um, you know, and I, I read fairly widely too. You just kind of pick up um, ways of writing and thinking. So I'm a fan of Aaron Sorkin. Mike knows this. Mm -hmm. Love all his shows. Love his writing. It's like being in a high-speed chase in a car. But one of the things that Aaron Sorkin has a reputation for is within his writer's room, he's very protective of his material. He doesn't listen to a lot of others' opinions. He kind of, it's his show and he wants to make that clear. I'm wondering as a writer how you might deal with any criticism around your work because it's you know you, you all pour your your hearts and soul into this and some people just might not like it uh, so how do you deal with like the feedback like that well I mean once once you're in the business for a while you, you get used to it or you should get used to it because it's just a natural part of the business that we're not here to um, uh, create art for ourselves we're here to make commerce happen. Right. And we're here to engage audiences that are often very different than who we are or our cohort. So you have to be open to, and I don't even call it criticism, it's just feedback. And you got to get used to rejection too. I mean, I think uh, early on, a lot of people get all miffed about uh, having ideas rejected, um, but you just got to get used to it. I mean, um, you can still come back with a good idea, even if a good idea gets shut down. A good idea may be really a great idea. It's just not quite right for this audience or this product or this company or this brand. Um, so, you know, ideas get killed all the time and you just go with it. It's not, it's, it's, I think what people have to learn is they're not criticizing you. They're just rejecting a particular idea. Right. So I think the sooner you learn that it's not about you, it's just about the idea. And ideas, you know, they're a dime a dozen, really. They should be. Yeah. Um, you know, if you want to survive in this business, you've got to get used to having ideas shot down. This is what I like about a person like Carl, is that, because in my head, 
I, I like to think of Carl and I that we work in the same kind of headspace a lot of the time. Um, we, we, we see each other in the hallways. There's a lot of dudes and bros that get thrown around. Yeah, and, uh, bro-tastic all bro, the way. Yeah, I heard know. you had a group of homies earlier that, that you and Mike <laughs> oh, went yeah. to the same movie. And you said Carl and his homies showed up to this movie. And I said, homies is not a word that I would see with Carl. But keep going. Yeah, <laughs> Carl and his homies. Good movie. It was a good movie. Are we, a your great homies, movie Carl, okay. are we your homies? Like, that's the end goal of this podcast. We want to be your homies. Oh, that's a given. Okay. Oh, oh, yes. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, so the the idea the, the thinking that ideas are a dime a dozen because that's what what you like to do. You can come up with these things, free associate. You can come up with a whole bunch of different stuff. But that's not the case for a lot of people. Like some people, that's not their strong suit is coming up with these ideas and being able to just like rattle off ten different things. Is that is that the case for you? Like you can actually. They're like, here's our problem. We need to sell vegetables um, to Silicon Valley. And you're like, okay, give me a little bit. Think about this. I'll come back with a bunch of ideas. Well, that's what I always aimed for from the beginning is just to go for volume because eventually volume is going to lead to uh, quality or quantity will lead to quality. Um, you know, some some people are really gifted in the first 10 ideas or of the first 10 ideas they'll have one gem um i tend to need 100 ideas to come up with one gem (laughs) i'm i'm exaggerating a little but um if you just come up with a lot of ideas eventually you're going to get a really good one and um that's what i always aimed for in the beginning and i still have a bit of a issue or problem if you will of throwing too many ideas at some of my partners whether they're in the account side or the creative side, because I, I just want to get their reaction. I, I don't want to do all of the editing and whittling down myself. I want to get feedback. Um, and I'm not afraid to show goofy ideas or just ideas that seem almost wrong because you just never know. Someone might, someone else might see something that you didn't. And I think that's that's one of the great things about this business is collaborating where someone will show me an idea and they're like, eh, I don't know. And I'm like, well, but wait, if you just turn that around and flip mm-hmm. it over, mm-hmm. you've got this. Or, and they can do the same with me. I've got two more questions. First one is your advice to people who want to be a great writer. If you can, I know I know it's tough for, for anyone and, and probably even a writer to narrow it down to say, this is, this is kind of my one piece of tangible advice. What, what would that be to people who want to be a writer? Well, actually, I have three key things and this is not at all original you have to read you have to have to have a passion for reading so don't just read as homework but read because you have a passion for it read the things you really want to enjoy um but having said that read try and read uh widely read things that you normally wouldn't read about so if you're an artist read about a sports team if you're really into soccer read about painting or something or you know if you if you if you subscribe to a magazine kind of like a general interest magazine don't just read those things you're naturally drawn to but read outside it a little bit too uh so reading is key and then i mean this sounds really silly but you just got to write you you know you got to write and practice and just keep doing it over and over and eventually you will become better um, and the third thing is you have to rewrite. That's where writing gets really good is when you rewrite, when you edit and make, you know, as you're going through it, you'll, you'll feel the rhythm is off, so you've got to fix the rhythm. You'll find, oh, that word is 
kind of right, but not really the perfect word. And so just a matter of rewriting and rewriting till you get it, till it's, you know, it really flows. It may not be literature, but it's it's a good quality piece of writing. Love it. My my last question before we get into Mike's game, I believe, um, the, the state of kind of the creative world out there, like what... I know that's a huge question, but like, what do you feel about the creative landscape as it applies to our current day and time? Wow, that's a huge question. Holy well, <laughs> I mean, if you're talking about our business, I, I think it's, um, it, I don't think it's any worse or better than other times. I think there's still great work being done. There's still a lot of not great work being done. And I, I think there's a lot of uh, work that looks derivative because it is, because I think people just have a natural tendency that in, in almost in an unconscious way to emulate something they've seen that they like. And I think, I think you have to kind of work consciously work against that Sure. to not just go to YouTube or, or the internet and, and punch in, um, you know, the category you're working in and see what comes up, but just, just think about it on your own. Otherwise, you're just going to come up with derivative ideas. And I think that applies to, you know, all the arts as well. I mean, I think with the, the uh, advent of digital, it, it's tempting to rely on data um, and forget about the fact that at the end of the line, it's humans talking to humans. And so you still have to connect on a human level somehow. And I think that's fundamental. Excellent. Well, well answered. First, that's a large question. <laughs> yeah, well, you give him Mike? two seconds to think about it, and he comes up with one for you. Um, okay, it's time for a game. Okay. And this game, I like to call "Name That Slogan." In this game, I will ask you, Carl, twelve different slogans, very popular slogans, and the idea is if you get more correct than you get wrong, then you win. However, if you get more wrong than you get correct. Then I win. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what, what, what do we win, anyways? Um, you get a lifetime supply of Andrew's great ideas fed directly to your headphones. I think we've won already because we are Carl's homies. I'm still stuck I know, on that. I know. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. I so. guess you could be... You so I guess point is, Carl, you can't win anything, yeah, but yeah. we've already but, won. But we, <laughs> we, we just keep winning. Yeah. It's a win-win. It's a win-win. Right. It's a win-win. A win-win-win. Right. All right. Here we go, Carl. Uh, I'm going to name the slogan. You're going to just tell me who or what company it's for. And I think, I think you're going to do okay. Let's take a look. And for listeners at home, you can play as well. First one, very easy. I'm loving it. McDonald's? Bingo. One for one. Number two, finger licking good. Kentucky Fried Chicken. You got it. Two for two. Nailed it. Number three. Eat fresh. Is that Subway? Yes. Number four. Taste the rainbow. Skittles? He's on fire. Yes. Number five. Snap, crackle, pop. Rice Krispies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, this is what I was like, he's yeah. going to do fine. We're going to get into some more here, though. Um... They're great. Uh, boy, I know it. It's, um, oh, gosh, I can't, I'm not, I'm not coming up with a name. I'll give you five seconds. Four, three, two, one. Now say it the other way. They're great. Any help there? 
Well, I can picture the mascot guy, you know, that's a tiger. Tony right? the Tiger? Tony the Tiger? Yeah. Frosted I can't remember flakes. the product. Frosted, Frosted Flakes. flakes. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, here we go. We're back go. in this, Andrew. We got one wrong from him. Okay, number seven. It gives you wings. I'm stumped. I have no clue. Andrew? Red Bull? Yeah! Red Bull! Okay. Number. This, this just shows how much sugar I eat. This is not good. <laughs> this is not great. Number, uh, what are we on? Number eight. Ooh, this one's specifically for you, Mr. Weaver. Probably the best beer in the world. Whoa. Uh, Heineken? Carlsberg. Uh, mm, wow. Carlsberg. Probably the best I beer in the world. That one. Yeah, <laughs> got my name uh, in it. Number nine. Because you're worth it. Who can get this one? Because you're worth it. It's not K Jewelers, is it? No. That's no. Not. Am I in the category? Yeah, you're getting there. Viagra? Oh! <laughs> 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 that could could be L'Oreal. <laughs> oh, I should have known that. Yeah. Uh, okay, we got three more. Number ten. A diamond is forever. De Beers. Nailed it. Number eleven. It keeps going. Wait, what is his score at right now? Do you know? I mean, he's winning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Number eleven. <laughs> winning. <laughs> it keeps going and going and going. Energizer. And finally, number twelve. Think different. That would be Apple. Bingo! That is, a, that is a layup at the end. That Mike. is how you crush a competition. Yeah. Carl Weaver, thank you so much for joining us. This was a true pleasure. It's so good to be your homie. Thank you so much. Okay, I have a question. Can oh, I have a question? Oh, Bob, okay. stop the outro. Here we go. <laughs> what do you got? I just want to ask each of you individually okay. what, what you like uh, about what you do in your job. Oh, man, what I like, well, I get to do, part of the thing I get to do is this podcast, which is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but within social media, I like the ever-evolving and changing landscape. My personality, ready for this? My personality is an ENFP, or if you want to get real deep into things and go Enneagram, it's number seven, uh, the enthusiast. And the idea for these personality types is that we like to jump around a lot. And so the idea that social media continuously in, like evolves from one thing to another thing, it's always changing, that's exciting for me. So you feel like you get to do something different, not only every day, but even within your day correct yeah that's awesome so one of my things is as i was talking to our intern the other day and mike afterwards asked i was showing her all the back end of measuring social media content marketing google analytics and mike was like that was the most passionate i've heard you in an hour in a long time he asked me if i should be an adjunct professor so i think basically for me like i just love that um Every day we're presented with different business situations for companies, and every day we have to come up with solutions to solve them. So it's never the same, but more importantly, it's it's a you can apply certain mindsets. Like I love looking at numbers, seeing what the numbers are saying, and then trying to regurgitate that. That's the fun part for me is like saying it back to them in a way that makes sense, where it's not like eighteen divided by six is four thousand and two. Like I wanted to make sure it makes sense. So it's a challenge. Not not necessarily words, but I like the numbers and, and getting it back out there. Well, awesome. Well thank you guys for having me. Thank you. Great question. Yeah, this is fantastic. Yeah.